that day. In a lot of ways, it felt like he did. When he woke up days later from a coma, he did not recognize my mother, my brothers, or myself. It would take him weeks to relearn how to speak and months to learn how to walk again. Over a decade later, he still suffers from permanent brain damage, unable to remember anything, unable to have meaningful conversations, unable to grasp what it means to be a father or a husband, to exist in a sh as a shell of a person he once was. While I only have a few years worth of memories from the time with my dad, he has still played a massive part in shaping me into the person I am today. <clears throat> that being said, I honestly can't remember a single time he sat down with, sat down to give me advice or ask for advice. While I am sure he did this plenty of times, what lives in my memories are his actions. He taught me how to be a good father by his commitment to always being home to eat dinner with us and having fun with us after dinner, even though that meant that he, <coughs> excuse me, that he would have to finish up work once we went to bed. He taught me how to always strive for excellency in everything I do. In the morning hours, in the early hours of the morning before he went to work, he would set up sports drills and stations and written instructions so that uh, my brothers and I could improve during the summer break. He taught me how to love well by going above and beyond showering my mom with love and affection. He taught me how to serve well by countless hours he would spend serving our local church. I, go, I could go on and on and on, but you can see how these things easily sunk into my brain. None of these lessons were something that he just said to me once. He em embodied them every single day. It was who he was and how he lived. I have no idea what it's like to be a father, but I know from my own experience as, as the son of a father, more will be caught than taught, both good and bad. Lessons we teach with our mouths are fading, but the lessons we teach with our actions will leave a lasting impression when we are gone. What are others catching from you? Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, so I was in the restroom right before church, and little Tucker Dixon come in and told me he was ready to do the 66 books of the Bible. And ordinarily, we do that on the last Sunday of the month. We don't have worship kid style. We have the kids stay in here with us and gather together for family worship. And I didn't realize he was telling me he actually wanted to do it down here this morning. So I said, well, when you get up there, tell Leanne you're ready to do it. And then old dad, Ed Dixon, comes in and says, Tucker's ready to do his books of the Bible today. And so I'm not going to deny that. It's Father's Day, and we got a proud dad, and a boy that's still chomping to the bits. Are you ready to do it, Tucker? What do you think? That's on you, man. I know it's a lot of pressure. I'll tell you what. You go upstairs. If, if, 
you got some help coming. All right, so come right on up here, guys. Praise the Lord. Okay, now I know that none of us adults know know them in memory like that. So somebody open their Bible and make sure Tucker nails it. And this mic is still on its white and another color. All right, Tucker, you ready? You guys ready to help him out? I, I'm fine. He's fine doing it by himself. All right. Genesis, wait. Genesis, Exodus, biggest number, beginning of all my name, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Exodus, 16, and Persons of Kings, Persons of Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Andrew, Songs, and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Songs, Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Joel and Amos, Mordecai, Joel Michael, Nahum, Rebecca, Levin, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Roman, Present Corinthians, Colossians, and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Present Thessalonians, First Timothy, and the Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, Hebrews, Gentiles, First Peter, Second Peter, First John, Second John, Third John, Revelation. He nailed it. All right, here we are. There you are, brother. All right, thank God. All right, thank you, Tucker. You're the newest member of the Pastor 66 Club. You're dismissed. Single file, no pushing. What a blessing that is, and we are thankful. Okay, guys, you can go to worship kids style. Thank you, guys. Well, as they're leaving, here it is. The day that really nobody in this country has waited all year long for is here. It's Father's Day, right? Nobody, it's not that big anticipation, uh, Father's Day. It's the day where uh, men all across our great country will gracefully tell their little child, Thank you so much for that gift. That's what I've always never wanted, and I love it, right? We'll lie to them every chance we get. Uh, and so since it is Father's Day, uh, I want to go ahead and get this one out of the way. It's also, you know, it's June, and um, it's vacation month, but it's also marriage month. I think, I guess God ordained that you get married in June. That's when people get married, including me. Me and Ashante celebrate our 19th anniversary uh, a week or two ago, and... I was at the house the other day, and I'm walking through the house, and Ashante's sitting in the living room watching a video, and she starts yelling at the TV, don't do it, don't go in there, you moron, don't go in that church. And I stop and look, and she was watching our wedding video. And so, uh, yeah, so happy anniversary uh, this month. So. so I got that out of the way, okay? But here it is. Now, so as I think about Father's Day, I can't help but think about my dad. Um, and on this day, each of us can't help but think of our own dads, okay? And maybe you have the fondest memories of old dad. Maybe you have not so fond memories of old dad. And maybe you don't have any, any memories of dad, but only wonder about dad. But at any rate, there are memories, both good and bad, and fleeting or missing ones. Uh, and my dad, uh, my dad died in 1989. I was only 24 years old, so I've been longer in my life without dad than I was with dad. Uh, but I have a lot of fond memories of my dad. I didn't know until I was a teenager that actually he was my adopted dad. I didn't know that I'd been adopted. 
that six of us have been adopted. Uh, and then James came along a couple years later. But I have a lot of good memories of Dad. Dad was a military guy. He was a tough guy. He was a really tough guy. A tough dad, but I'm thankful for that. And so I have good memories. But one of my favorite memories of my dad is in my teenage years, we were raised on the point section. And uh, on Saturday evenings, we would gather into the living room, and Dad would make us what we ended up calling the Newt Ellis sandwich. And the Newt was fried bologna and fried egg and cheese and a slice of onion and mayonnaise on both pieces of bread. He would make each one of us the, that sandwich. And we had a little TV in the living room, and he would turn it on, and he would scream at the TV for two hours because we were watching wrestling. He loved wrestling, and so he would cuss and yell at the TV, but we'd get our free sandwich, you know. So that's one of my favorite memories of my dad, among the others. And today, as we celebrate Father's Day, I, I've known for about 10 days that I was going to be speaking this morning. And the truth is, God changed this message on me Friday night and threw me into a panic. Uh, but all week long, I asked myself the question, what does it mean to be a dad? What does it really mean to be a dad? Or what does it look like to be a dad? And when I would ask myself that many times over the last few days, it would sound kind of weird coming out of my own mouth uh, because I've been a dad for 33 years. I've been a dad for 33 years now. And at this point in my life, being a dad looks a lot different than it did 32 years ago. My oldest child, my stepdaughter, Renee, is married, has two beautiful children, uh, and lives in Lexington, has a career. Tessa is married, has two beautiful children, lives in Ashland, has a career. Scott, my oldest son, uh, is married, has a baby on the way, has a career, and lives in Lexington. TK, my baby girl, just graduated high school a couple weeks ago, and is preparing to head off to college. And then finally, our baby Keaton is getting ready to be a junior in high school, so he's not long either, and he's going to be gone. Uh, junior and senior year, man, they just disappear, right? So being a dad has really changed for me. I'm out of the diaper stages. I'm out of the terrible twos. I'm out of the teaching them how to ride a bike. I'm out of being a little league dad. All that stuff is behind me. Um, so for me, what it looks like, to be a dad has and is changing every day. Now, being a dad is a tough job, right? Dad, you know that. Being a dad is a tough job. I've had a lot of tough jobs in my life. I've had jobs that I loved and I've had jobs that I hated. Uh, but the job that I have loved the most in my life is being a dad. And it's the toughest job I've ever had. That's how it is. Dads, you know that. Some I love, some I hated, but the best one was ever being a dad. D Jim Gaffigan, the stand-up philosopher, says that raising kids is a thankless job, but at least the pay stinks, right? Uh, and <laughs> how true that can be at times, right? Being a dad looks different for me now, but what it means to be a dad, what it actually means to be a dad, hasn't and does not change. Since God eternally saved my soul on Good Friday of 2002, my outlook on life completely changed. And my idea of what it means to be a dad completely changed also. And I'll tell you what I mean. Some of you have heard this before. We've tried to share a testimony. Kevin did, really, just a minute ago, each week. Uh, but I think this is a good time for me to say this, because some of you all have not heard this. What I mean by my idea of what it meant completely changed is this. The day God saved me, uh, just not 100 steps from where I'm standing right now, in the living room of the parsonage, when Brother Rick led me to the Lord, and God saved my soul, 
I, man, I was happy. I was so, the joy, you know, the joy of my salvation. You guys know what that's like, right, if you're a believer. And I was still an officer at the time, so I, when I left, when I finally left the parsonage, I got my cruiser and headed uptown and started pulling people over. Anybody I could find to pull over driving a car, I'd pull them over and tell them, God just saved me. You know, I didn't give tickets or anything like that. They were thankful. But I was so happy, you know, and I was just walking on air. You know how it is. Um, and all I did after I was saved, after that day, moving forward, for months, all that I did, every spare minute that I had, I spent reading God's Word or praying or reading God's Word and praying and crying and coming to church. Every time the doors were open, I was in church. I just loved God. I was thankful that He loved me and He liked me and He accepted me for who I was uh, and had started changing me. And part of that change was when I began reading God's Word and learning what it actually meant to be a dad, I was overwhelmed. In that, I thought I'd been a really good dad. I was a little league coach. I did all the things that dads do. Didn't kick the dog, loved on my mama. You know, I, I, was, I thought I was a good dad. But I realized from God's word that, the, that I really wasn't that good of a dad. I had never, in all the years of being a dad, not one time had a gospel conversation with my children. I even avoided gospel conversations with my kids. I didn't have anything to do with God, and I really didn't want them to either. I thank God there were people in their lives that stepped into my spot and did that for me. But the guilt that I felt was overwhelming, that I hadn't been that good of a dad, to the point to where I started agonizing over it. And this went on for every bit of two months. And finally, one day, I was in my cruiser. I was working day shift, and I was up on Pine Hill. And I just stopped my cruiser in the middle of the road and screamed at God. You've got to help me with this. I can't stand it. And it was like he put his hands on my shoulders and said, you're forgiven. He forgave me. I, I trusted him to forgive me of all of my sins, but I didn't think he could forgive me for that and I sure couldn't forgive myself for it. And he forgave me that day. And when he forgave me that day, he said, follow me. I still had a chance at being a dad. And I thank God for that. So my idea of what it meant to be a dad changed that day. Now, there are dads everywhere who do good things. Dads who are good at teaching their kids and others how to accomplish uh, basic jobs and duties that kids need to, to know, they need to learn. And there are dads who are good at so many different tasks that are laid upon the feet of men who lead their families. Um, at the same time, we also recognize that there are dads out there who are only good at not being a good dad. That's just the truth. We know that, right? Um, I pray that wasn't your dad, but that's how it is. Not being good dads. Now, my dad made mistakes just like me and just like you, and we all do. That's how it is. We all make mistakes. Wouldn't it be great if along with the children that we produce and we start raising and we're to rear and to nurture, wouldn't it be great if there was a manual or something like that that came with them, right? On what it means to be a dad or how we are dads to bring up our children and prepare them for the world uh, that they're now living in under our care. We're responsible for them, right? Wouldn't it be nice if there was a good godly example for us to learn from? one who God himself gave to us to learn from and to follow his lead. 
is there a model dad out there somewhere? Well, I'm glad you asked. There are certain responsibilities that only can be placed at the feet of dad. Mom have theirs, moms have theirs, and dads have theirs also. They can only be placed at the feet of dads. Uh, that's, that's how it is. And that helps explain why God set the family up the way he did, right? One man and one woman bringing into the world and rearing children to prepare them for their lives. God did that by design. There are two people charged with bringing them into the world, mom and dad, right? Mom and dad. Thankfully, God did give us a God help book, not a self-help book, to help us along this path that we're on, no matter what stage of parenting that you're in. We can look in Scripture and see what all, what we all, dads, stepdads, foster dads, granddads, and dads-to-be can learn from this one dad. There is a model dad for us to turn to. This dad is the dad we need to strive, strive to become. And Hawkins tells us that this dad we're getting ready to read about has five characteristics that show us what dads are supposed to look like. So, turn your Bibles on or open them up to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And this is Jesus speaking. He's teaching in all of chapter 15 in parables. Uh, in spiritual lessons that are relatable to his audience. He was the master of that, and every one of these parables is about something that is lost, okay? So we're going to start in verse 11, and this is Jesus speaking. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and, he, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants, and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. 
But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this brother, for this your brother, was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is found. Lord, we thank you for your word. Teach us from it this morning. May we apply it to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, so five characteristics. The first thing we see from this dad is that he is a moral provider for his family. And we'll actually see that come to light here in just a moment. But for now, know this. If we're going to be the kind of dad that any child deserves, we need not only to be the material provider that's charged to us, and not just the mental and physical provider that's charged to us, part of it, and those are important, but we need to be a moral provider as well. Men, we need to instill the scriptures and its truths into our children. Jesus knew who he was speaking to here, right? He knew his audience. He was speaking to the Jews. Jesus was a Jew, and he knew who he was talking to, and he knew that they understood the importance of teaching children from Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, men, dads, teach your kids from Scripture. Be that moral provider. That's our job. The second characteristic we see from this dad is that he is restrained. Starting in verse 12, the dad lets the boy go when the time comes. You can't help but think that the dad knew and knows that some boys just need to learn the hard way. And that was me. I was one of those guys. Some boys just need to learn the hard way. This dad could have refused to let him go. He didn't have to give him his inheritance, right? He could have refused to let him go. He could have blackmailed him with that. I'm not giving it to you yet. You've got to wait. Or he could have brought mom into the conversation. I can't believe you're doing this. You're breaking your mother's heart. He could have said that. Or he could have said, why can't you be more like your brother? But he didn't do any of those things. What he did was he let him go. And there are times when you and I, as the dad, know what's best, but we still let him go. There are times when our kids have to make their own mistakes. We have to let them do that. This dad knew Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, which teaches us the principle, not the promise of God, but the principle of God to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, training up a child is not just taking them to VBS or bringing them to Sunday school, okay? Those are important, and we need to do those things, but it is training them by the life that they see you and I live, by the life that we live and the words that we say, that they hear us say, and by the time that you spend with them. That's the most valuable thing we have is time. This dad was restrained, and he let the boy go. He let the boy become a man. But he never gave up on him. And we'll see this. Verse 17 describes what happened. 
it says that the boy came to himself. So all those years of faithfully and lovingly training him paid off for old dad. The boy came to himself. The boy had been taught better and he knew it. Dad had been a moral provider. And so the son heads home hoping to be a simple servant. Old dad let him go, but he didn't give up on him. Verse 20 says, And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. What a great picture we have of dad here. Not of the boy, but of dad. You can just see him. Maybe he's taking a break. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe he's taking a break from work, taking a little bit of rest, and sitting on the porch, and he's looking out. Or he's off the porch and he's under a shade tree catching him a break and he's looking out. And we can confidently know that he did this a lot. He looked for him. Maybe even every day. He looked for him. What a great picture we have of dad. Waiting, hoping to see that boy one more time. That dad was restrained. The third characteristic uh, that we see right here is dad was forgiving. The father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And you'll notice in this scripture, the son started the speech that he had prepared. Remember when he, was, when he came to himself, he said, I'll do this. Well, he started that speech uh, that he had prepared just like he had planned it. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. But old dad took dadly charge right there. There were no I told you so's. or There were no, well, you blew it. Uh, there was only a warm, welcome home son. That's what dad gave him. A warm, welcome home son. This dad had compassion. The word compassion comes from two Latin words, and it means to suffer with. So this dad knew what the boy had been through. He knew. He knew what the boy had been through. He knew what was in his heart. But what dad did was restore him in forgiveness to his rightful spot as an honored son. We have a dad here who was a moral provider, who was restrained, and who was forgiving. The fourth thing we see from dad here is uh, that he was forgetful. Now, not like you and I are forgetful. Um, if you've ever talked to me and you've asked me to do something for you, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do that, you know that I just forget. I mean, I'm very forgetful. I apologize for that. I'm forgetful. But this forgetfulness is different. Yeah, you are too, Jim. This forgetfulness is different. It's quite, it's one thing to forgive, but yet it's another thing to forget. This dad doesn't hold a grudge here. He forgives and he forgets. No speeches about you're going to have to prove this or that to me. Uh, he, he put everything behind him. He put it all behind him, just like the song that they sang. He put it all behind him. This, his son had come home with a repentant heart. We know that. He really regretted his deed. Remember verse 17? It said that he came to his senses or he came to himself. He admitted and confessed his sin and resolved in his heart not to make that mistake again. And what did dad do? He forgave and he forgot. Thank God that God Almighty forgives and forgets our sins when we come to ourselves. Has that ever been you? Have you ever came to yourself? Has God revealed to you that you're a prodigal son. And thank God that if that has happened, he forgives and he forgets. And we should too. Finally, this dad was focused. He had his priorities in order. 
and he kept things in the proper perspective. Today, what we call that is uh, level-headed. He was a level-headed guy. In verse 29, we see the older brother is pouting and complaining, won't even go in the house, pouting and complaining about what's going on, and the party was in full swing, and where's dad? He's outside with his older son, helping him to understand. He's giving the older brother assurance that he's right there with him, and reminding him that everything he has is his also. Everything I have is yours. While doing this, he's also, this dad is also telling him that celebrating the younger son's return is the right and the best thing to do because he had been lost and now he is found. Praise God that I was once lost and now I'm found. And we sing about that every Thursday at the, uh, at the funeral home, at the nursing home, Amazing grace. Thank God for his amazing grace. Thank God for his amazing grace. I was once lost and now I'm found. So how about you? Can you say that this morning? Is that you? Now, those are the five characteristics. The question we ask here is, who are the boys in this story? The boys in this story are you and me. Male or female, that we're all, we're all the boys. We're either lost and crashing straight into the ground, just like the prodigal, either quickly, like we believe he did, or a slow fade, like Casting Crown sings about, but crashing just the same. Eternally separated from God the Father is your destination, if that's you. If there's not a change, if you do not come to yourself or come to your senses, eternal separation from God the Father is your destination. Or... We're the older son, living under the umbrella of all of our father's blessing and care, yet still wanting more, being self-centered, being more centered on self, even though we try not to be that way. That's who we are. We are that way. This scripture is not about the boys. It's about the dad. You want some instruction? You want some help on how to do this monumental task of being a dad? It's available to us. Please don't look on social media for that guidance or for that instruction, but it is available to us. So dads, granddads, stepdads, foster dads, adopted dads, dads-to-be, we all need someone to look for for guidance and wisdom on filling this God-given position that we have here. The real picture we have in this story is of our Heavenly Father, of God Almighty. God is forbearing, restrained in how He deals with you and I. He never gives up on us. He is forgiving, and he chooses to be forgetful. Jeremiah 31, at the end of verse 34, uh, he says, I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. God is focused. He does not lose focus. He has everything in its proper perspective. So this morning, as you think about and celebrate dads on Father's Day, we all need to ask ourselves out of this story, how is my relationship with my Heavenly Father? Have I came to my senses, admitted that I'm a sinner, believed in the finished work of Christ on the cross, confessed my sin, and came back home? Or if you're a believer in this room, have I wandered away? Have I walked off, wanting my own way? And have, we, have you came to your senses? Are you ready to come back to him today? That is our prayer for dads, Sons, moms, dads, and daughters alike, come back to him today. Let's pray. 
Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, how you teach us from this story. Lord, just how much you love us. We're thankful that we have a God that is forgiving. Uh, Lord, that forgets the wrongdoing that we do and that welcomes us with open, open arms, Lord, when we come to our senses. So we're thankful, Lord, for our Heavenly Father today on Father's Day. Most of all, we are thankful for you. We love you and we thank you for what you've done in hearts and what you will do in hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's your invitation, church. Go ahead and stand up. And maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day that you come to yourself, that you come to your senses, and you recognize that you're the prodigal in that story. You and I are. And that today is the day you need to come back. Good. 